I'm Olympic and world champion diver, Laura Wilkinson, and this is the Pursuit of Gold podcast. Each week, we are unlocking the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual tools that help athletes reach their biggest goals in sports. This episode is brought to you by our amazing sponsor, Katsu Global. Katsu has made a huge difference in my life, both in strength and recovery in and out of the pool. So I am very thankful for their support of this podcast. I'll tell you more about Katsu later on in this episode. One of the things that I get asked about most frequently is visualization. Probably because when I burst onto the scene winning an unexpected Olympic victory, well, unexpected to everyone else, The story that was being told was centered around me having shattered my foot before the Olympic trials and being unable to physically train. So I visualized and that not only helped me make the Olympic team, but I consider it a big part of the reason that I was able to stand atop the podium and listen to my national anthem play. It sounds simple enough, but there's really so much more to it. So today I thought it'd be fun to walk you through how I learned about visualization, what exactly is visualization, how best to implement it, and some tips and tricks to help you get started. Visualization wasn't the only thing that helped me win that unprecedented Olympic gold medal, though. If you've been listening for a while, you likely already know that mental training is my absolute passion, and it's what I became so good at throughout my career. I've recently started personally coaching athletes on their mindset and performance from juniors to pros, diving to shooting. Athletes have trusted me with their biggest struggles and left our calls smiling with renewed hope and more confidence. Some of the best things that come out of these coaching sessions are athletes realizing that they're not the only ones dealing with their struggles, whether it's mental blocks, anxiety, injuries, pressure, or just flat out frustration. Through our calls, athletes are beginning to understand that there are ways to move past these often devastating roadblocks. Sometimes it's just helpful to have someone who's been in your shoes help guide you out of the woods. And friend, I have definitely been there. If one-on-one coaching with me is something that you want to learn more about, just go to laurawilkinson.com slash coaching. That's laurawilkinson.com slash coaching. Before we start, make sure you smash that subscribe button and give us a five-star review if you are loving the Pursuit of Gold podcast. And please tell your friends about this podcast so that we can continue to improve and grow to that next level so that we can bring you more resources, tools, and inspiration. All right, I believe that there's gold in your future, so let's dive on into this episode. The first time I heard about visualization was not in 2000 when I broke my foot. It was actually the year before. In 1999, or as my kids would say, back in the 1900s, I was at the NCAA championships and my college coach, Matt Scoggin, was there and I was dealing with a nagging wrist injury at the time and I wasn't able to train the way I wanted to and I was you know, just really nervous because I couldn't put in the repetitions that I wanted to feel confident going into this competition. And Matt had pulled me aside and he told me a story. He didn't use the words visualization. He didn't use any fancy language like that. He just told me a story about a diver he had seen at a world championships, um, I think in the 80s maybe. And his name was, I think it was Gheorghe Chakavadze. And Matt had seen him not be able to train because he had some kind of, I think, hand or arm injury of some sort. And he was not training either but he was imagining his dives and he was doing this this kind of 
imagining. I don't even know what he called it. I don't think he said visualization at the time. I think it was just like imagery or something like that. And he was telling me how this athlete just was doing that in his head over and over when everyone else was training and he ended up doing phenomenal at this meet. So Matt was trying to tell me how strong the mind is. And I'd already had glimpses of this from other things, but I really started to think about that. And I I really trust my coaches. And I think that's something very important that you should be able to be with coaches, like train under coaches that you trust. Because when you get into a competition and they ask you to do something, you can trust what they're telling you. And so I was all in and was trusting what Matt told me. So I was working on imagining my dives instead of being in the pool training when everyone else was. And I also remembered in that time that this was not the first time I had heard or seen an athlete do that. Back in 1996, it was one of my very first international meets. I was watching a men's platform event. I was cheering on one of my teammates and this legend in the diving world, a Russian diving legend, his name is Dmitry Sauten. He was like my favorite diver at the time. And I had had the honor of meeting him a handful of times, but he was at this meet training. And I remember going to watch my teammate. We were there early during warmups. And as I'm watching these phenomenal men warm up their platform lists, get ready to go, I noticed that my favorite diver, the one I, I really was kind of rooting for, wasn't doing anything. He was standing in the shower underneath the platform, just letting the shower beat down on the back of his neck. He's just standing there the whole time, eyes closed, face down, not talking to anyone the entire warm up. And I was like, what on earth is he doing? Like, is he not going to warm up? Like, does, does he just want to throw the meat? Like, what's going on here? And then when the meat started, Dimitri dove lights out. And I have seen him compete a lot over the years. And this is still one of the best competitions I have ever seen. He got 10s on at least one 10 on every single dive that he performed. His lowest scoring dives were simply the ones that had the lowest degree of difficulty. It was phenomenal. And so as Matt is telling me about this diver he had seen visualizing, I was remembering what I saw from Dimitri as well. And I was like, there's got to be something to this. And so in 1999, it was my first time I really thought intentionally, I guess you could say, about imagining my dives. And I think for me, the default was to imagine my dives as I saw them and I felt them. And um, that's kind of what I was doing during those workouts at that NCAA tournament. And I ended up winning the NCAA championships. And it was it was really exciting. It ended up being my last NCAAs too. So it was even more sweet that way. But it it planted this seed of how strong our minds are and that we can use them in different ways. So the next year, when I did, I shattered my foot in three different places about three months before our Olympic trials, just in a training accident. I came out of a dry land somersault a little bit early, and I, I hit both the balls of my feet on the block of wood that we were jumping on. And long story short, I know I've talked about this in other episodes, I did not get surgery because that would have put me out of the trials because it was within that three-month range. So we casted my foot the way that it was, hoping that it was going to heal well enough to walk on, but it was uh, it was a little bit mangled at the time. But my coach, Kenny, my club coach, who I had really grown up training with, I was back training with him, and he was really good at thinking outside the box and said, okay, well, we're really going to kind of up the ante on this visualization game. Since you can't be in the water training, what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold your crutches and you're going to go hop up to that 10 meter and shimmy your way out to the end. And you're going to go through the actions of your dives. And now they have a fancy word. They call it modeling. Back then I called it pretend diving. I know I'm really eloquent that way. Um, but 
I'm up there. If I have to face forward to do a dive, I faced forwards. If I had to turn around and face backwards to do a dive, I faced backwards for handstands. I kind of did like a mock handstand on the side, like just put put both my hands down, have one foot on the ground, but would still go through all the actions. So I was really going through all that. And my coach, Kenny, was actually standing on the pool deck coaching me on the actions that I was doing. So I couldn't just kind of go through the motions. I really had to be all in in these motions and these actions that I was trying to simulate. And it was really funny because sometimes I'd be like, wow, I feel like I closed my shoulders a little bit. It probably would have been short of vertical. I'm I'm thinking that in my head. And then coach Kenny would call out from the deck. He would say, yeah, I think that was probably going to be a little bit short because you threw down here. It It was really weird the way we could connect on this imaginary diving, you know, but I had all of this time as I was uh, sidelined for several months leading up to this Olympic trials, I had all of this time to play with different ways to visualize, different ways to implement this. There were times where I would be up on the 10 meter, like I talked about, going through the actions and feeling what I would feel, seeing what I would see. But then I would also go sit on a chair on the on the side of the pool, like on the pool deck and look up at the platform and imagine my dives um, from that point of view as well. You know, I would do all kinds of different things like that. And, and this was not the only time that visualization came into play for me and worked really well for me. There were a few years later, I had a really botched wrist surgery and was in a lot of pain and could not be putting in the amount of repetitions that I wanted. And um, I, it did, it forced me back into some of that visualization, but also a retraining of my mind of, you know, I may not get to do as many repetitions, but the one I get to do has to be quality. I can't just do this for quantity. I can't do a bunch of numbers till I get it right. Like this one that I get to do has to be correct. So sometimes these these moments that we have, they're, they're not fun. It's not fun to be sign-lined. It's not fun to be injured, but they can force you into a place where you have to change the way that you're thinking and looking at the situation and taking action. And don't be scared of that. It's uncomfortable, sure, because it's weird and it's new and it's different. But these are often the very moments and the very things that can push you beyond where you were before and make you better than you were and maybe even better than you hoped to be. I mean, they they can really do amazing things. So, I mean, now that you kind of know my personal experience a little bit with visualization, and again, those those are just kind of the big moments of them. It's not the only times I've really implemented it. I did it on a very consistent basis outside of those injuries, just wasn't spending six hours a day doing it. That's pretty intense. But when that's all you can do, be all in, right? 100% all in. So I kind of want to walk you now, since you know my experience, I want to walk you through exactly kind of how to get started visualizing in a way that will actually make a difference for you. And I I say that because when I talk to athletes, many of them think that that they understand um, what visualization is and how to do it. But when I start asking them questions, what they're doing isn't really visualizing. And sometimes it's a little more like daydreaming or pretending that they're visualizing because no one can really see inside their head. But as they start to talk about it or they kind of show you some of their actions from it, you can really pick up that they they don't quite fully get what we're talking about. So what is visualization? Well, visualization is purposely rehearsing a skill, routine, or performance in your mind to program your body physically for success. So visualization in sports, um, sometimes people call it mental imagery. I'm sure there's a lot of other beautiful words for it, but those are the ones we'll use. There are ways of conditioning your brain for successful outcomes. The more you mentally rehearse your performance, the more it becomes ingrained in your mind. When you visualize you know, it becomes part of your preparation routine when you practice that consistently. It becomes 
a fortifying competition strategy. You know, you become familiar with what to expect during competition situations because you're you're preparing your brain for all of these different things. You're rewiring your brain in how to think and how to process what muscles to fire, what actions feel like. You know, athletes who use visualization, they can eliminate some of those unknowns that create competition anxiety as well, because using these visualization tools and imagining competition scenarios, you become ready for things that maybe you weren't ready for by just practicing the physical skills. So when athletes use visualization, they not only see the action unfold, but they can truly feel the event take place in their mind's eye. So visualization for athletes, it's a tool that great performers use to help them succeed and stay on top of their game mentally. But it's something that anyone can start using right now. So there's some different ways to visualize. So I kind of mentioned them briefly, but there's like first person and third person. So first person would be seeing yourself doing your sport like you're actually doing it. So for example, since I'm a diver, when I'm up on the 10 meter platform, you know, I see certain things when I'm staring forward, you know, I may see the water and the other side of the pool, which might be like the boards or a gutter or something like that. That's where I'm looking on my starts in the air. I am looking for water and water only. I don't want to be seeing the sky and other things, you know, but on certain actions as, as my arms come through, I may see my feet come up. And so these are little things that you start paying attention to in the first person. You know, if you're a runner, you probably don't want to be looking at the people on either side of you. You want to be focused on that finish line or, you know, at the next step in front of you. I'm not exactly sure where a rudder looks, but, you know, I'm sure your focus is in front and not from side to side. So thinking about those things that you see when you are actually doing your skills, that is first person. Third person is seeing yourself doing your sport like you're watching a video. So when I would sit on the pool deck, like the side of the pool deck, and I would look up at the platform, I would imagine watching myself dive like you would see yourself in a video. And so this is another way to look at it. And some people naturally see in the first person easier. Some people see in the third person easier. So, But both are very, very important because it makes your brain work in slightly different ways and it forces you to think about actions in a different way as well. And so they're both really, really good for your mind. Some athletes also prefer to feel movements rather than just, you know, see them. Like, you know, I'm saying you're going to naturally gravitate toward one, but you need to practice both the visualizing, not just first or third person, but also feeling it, not just seeing it in your mind's eye. Because the more senses that you engage, the more your mind starts to believe that you're really doing the activity. You're actively rewiring your brain on how to fire and react when you're doing specific movements and techniques. So the more real it is to you, the more real it is to your brain and the more effective changes you can actually make. So seeing it and feeling it are both very important ways to implement visualization. And I know sometimes people have a really hard time either feeling or seeing, just like the first or third person. Sometimes people are mostly feelers. Sometimes people are mostly seers. Well, for me, I have a little bit of both. So I see most things pretty well, but feeling is really good when I do twisting dives. So on twisting dives, I have a really hard time visualizing them, like seeing them from first or third person that's really difficult for me. I just have a struggle with that, but I can feel them. And, and that goes a little more hand in hand with the first person because you're, you're seeing what you see, but you can also feel it. But I have to work really hard on being able to see it in my 
visual sense too. This is hard to describe sometimes, <laughs> but both are really important. So don't feel bad if one way is easier than the other and one way is harder. That's okay, but it's really good to work all of those aspects. And another important part of visualization that I want to touch on is imagery training and competition scenarios, like being fully immersed with all of your senses, but also putting yourself into different competition scenarios. So the more you can visualize the entire package of the event, the more it's going to benefit you. Um, When you can have multi-sensory you know, a multi-sensory approach going on, visualizing, you're going to be more engaged. Your mind is going to be at such a level that your brain begins to process it just like you're actually doing it. So as you do that consistently over time, when you get into the moment where it counts, your mind knows exactly where to go and how to handle it because it's been doing it over and over again. So it's not new. It's not a surprise. It's exactly what's been rehearsed. On that note, It's really important that when you're visualizing, you are visualizing doing the action perfectly. And I know people hate the word perfect because perfect isn't something we can actually do. But and and to me, I get that because we can get really hung up on being perfect. I don't want you to be perfect. I want you in the pursuit of perfection. The pursuit is what's going to grow you to that point. It's not about being perfect. It's about pursuing that perfection, doing the actions and the techniques correctly. Because when you are imagining them correctly, that's what you are rebuilding in your brain. You know, people say practice makes perfect, but really practice makes permanent. (laughs) So if you are practicing or thinking about or visualizing the wrong actions, that's what you are making into concrete in your brain. So you really want to make sure as you're visualizing that you take the time to think about doing all the things, all the tiny little details correct, because that's what you are programming in your brain. I first started using Katsu after I discovered it could be used for recovery. After speaking with a Navy SEAL friend that had used Katsu to help him recover from traumatic injuries, I decided to give it a try for an ongoing tricep issue I had. Within the first week, I noticed the cramping I had in my tricep would completely stop after a katsu session. It also helped me recover much faster after platform workouts. After seeing such great recovery, I started to add katsu into some strength training and plyometric workouts as well. And the craziest side effect that I noticed was that I was hardly ever sore from a hard workout that I did while wearing the katsu bands. I feel like Katsu has given me the ability to get stronger while recovering faster. Katsu is the pioneer and gold standard of the emerging blood flow restriction market. Navy SEALs, world champions, and gold medalists use Katsu daily for improved performance, quicker rehabilitation, and unprecedented recovery from hard workouts, intense competitions, and even jet lag. Katsu was invented in Japan and has been used at every Winter and Summer Olympics since 1988. Katsu Global offers a variety of easy-to-use products that can be used safely and effectively in the comfort of your home, office, or during travel. It can be used for any workout or between training and competitions for recovery. To learn more about Katsu and even get 10% off, go to laurawilkinson.com slash katsu. That's laurawilkinson.com slash katsu. K-A-A-T-S-U. You know, when athletes visualize or imagine a successful competition, 
they can actually stimulate the brain regions the same way you do when you physically perform that action. So you're not just rewiring the way your brain's thinking about it. Your brain is actually thinking that you're doing it. So again, the more senses that you're using, sight, smell, hearing, you know, even if you taste the chlorinated water, like every sense that you can employ while you're doing this and be more present in that moment and feeling it, it's making your mind think that it's really happening in that moment. It's very powerful. And it's, again, it's not easy to do when you're doing it right. It takes work. Just like when you're doing something physical, this takes time to learn. So when people tell me, oh yeah, I visualized and they did it for 10 minutes, like one time, like you don't know what you're doing. You have no idea what you're doing. And people think they can just show up to a meet and implement this visualization and they've never tried it before. And let me tell you guys, the first time I ever tried visualizing, I was smacking on my face every single time. I could not, especially in third person, could not see myself do even a simple reverse dive without landing on my face. It took practice. It took slowing it down in my brain to frame by frame until I could see it correctly. So this stuff doesn't happen overnight. It takes practice and time. And people talk about how important mental training is. They talk about how it's, you know, the most important part of sport, but yet people do not take the time to implement it. So I am giving you huge tips and tricks right now. So listen up. So while imagining successful competitions in different scenarios, it is a huge component of this. That should come after you've spent quite a bit of quality time just improving on your basic visualization, just like what we were talking about, because the last thing you want to be doing is imagining a competition scenario where you're doing horrible because you don't know how to see yourself doing the physical part really well. Just like I said, if I started putting myself in a competition scenario the first week I tried to do this, I would have been smacking all over the place and dead last in my imaginary competition. So make sure you get the basics right first and you can imagine and visualize yourself and see yourself doing these things very well before you expand into doing full competition scenarios. Just like physical training, visualization takes practice. It's not going to happen overnight. You can't show up to a competition, try to visualize once before you go and expect things to change. You have to put in the time and the repetitions. All right, so let's start at the beginning with some how-to visualizing basics. Start by giving yourself a set amount of time each day. You do not have to do this for six to eight hours a day like I did because I was forced to. I didn't have any other options. I would have been there physically training if I could have. So start with a set amount of time, even if it is 10 minutes a day, but you're doing 10 minutes every day, that's a great start. If it's three times a week for 30 minutes, great start. However you want to implement it, just be consistent. So sit in a quiet place. Really, really helpful to sit in a quiet place. Don't be doing it in front of the TV or with other people talking around you. Go in the other room. Sit down. Close the door. It's okay. I prefer to sit. Sometimes when I lay down, I have a harder time just seeing it and feeling it because I I tend to like jerk a little bit. Sometimes I'm moving around, but like it's just easier for me to see it when I sit up so you can find out what's best for you. But I would recommend starting by sitting And, you know, if you are someone who meditates or does quiet time, um, you know, or you're doing your mindfulness activities, this is a great thing to do right after that because you have put yourself in the present moment, you have quieted down and you're ready to start visualizing. That's a perfect time to start doing it. So start by trying to see yourself doing your sport like you're actually doing it from your vantage point. I think for most people, that's the easiest one because they can think about a time they've done it. 
and they can remember their training facility or their pool or their track or, you know, the field, whatever it is. Um, And you can imagine yourself in that situation and doing those things. And, you know, as you start this too, and you're starting to try to see that, maybe you forget, well, gosh, you know, I don't know what I look at when I do this certain move. Well, then when you go back to practice and you do that move, you know, make sure you think about, okay, what am I seeing right now? And then you can take that back for the next time you visualize and you can add to it. So this is like a, a building process too, which while you're physically training and having to do this, kind of an extra bonus if you're doing it at the same time. So, and also, Start imagining yourself doing your sport like you would watching a video. So also from that third person point of view, I actually met a very young diver recently who has an easier time seeing herself in the third person like that, which to me is is really funny because that's really hard for me. So we're all, again, wired a little bit differently. Something is going to come natural to you that maybe not will not come natural to somebody else. So whichever one you gravitate toward easier first, try to start with that one and then implement the other one as well. So once you have a pretty solid feel and comfort for visualizing, you know, start expanding your visualization field. Then you can start imagine, you know, an actual training or a competition scenario. So when I was going through this, standing up on the 10 meter, my coach would make me wait my turn in line um, while I was pretending to dive. I couldn't just do 10 in a row. He would like make me wait to feel like I was in the practice. So as you're visualizing, if you're not quite ready for a full competition scenario, imagine yourself training through a practice, a normal practice. And what what's that like? There's kind of a steady pace. Not that you have to take the whole time of a practice, two hours or whatever that is, but like, you know, you're doing your thing. Okay. Well, you may have to wait a beat here. You get a few minutes to rest or to wait for, you know, a teammate to come in or something. So, and then, okay, well now I've got to get it ready to do my next repetition or whatever it is. So kind of give yourself this different pace. You're, you're visualizing yourself in a new type of environment, not just you doing one thing, but now you're you're in a workout doing it, you know, and then you can expand to starting to do these competition scenarios, you know, and again, the more senses that you use, the things that you hear, the things that you feel, do you feel wind or hot sun or rain or are you hearing the air conditioner in the background? Do you smell chlorine? Do you smell grass? Like what are, what are the things that you smell? What do you feel? Do you feel water dripping off of you? Do you feel wind? Do you feel people bumping into you? What, what are those senses that you feel? And start using those within those kind of more immersive scenarios and situations. Again, it just becomes more real. The more you add to it, the more real it's going to become. And, you know, visualize a variety of things. When I would put myself in competition scenarios, I put myself in all kinds of different performance situations, ones that I knew would make me nervous. You know, maybe it was the beginning of the competition and I had the lead. Oh my goodness, what would I do with the lead? I was usually coming from behind. So being in the lead was a hard thing for me. How do I handle that? And it's okay to make yourself feel nervous and to really get into it so much that you're anxious about it. Well, how do you respond to that? And you can start thinking about those things, you know, or, okay, what if I missed a dive? What do I do? Do I carry that in the next one? Do I overtry on the next one? What are the things that I usually do in that situation? And what's good about it and what's not good about it? How do I change that? So these visualizations of the competition scenarios, it just allows you to put yourself in so many different situations that maybe you don't have the actual time to be going out and doing 30 different competitions against the same people to see how you would stack up in different scenarios. But you can do that in your mind. You can pretend that your biggest competitor just did something amazing. And do you feel like you need to go top it or do you have to let that go? You know, or your competition just missed. Well, what do you do now? 
can you take it? Is the pressures on? Like it's all yours. You know, the door is wide open. What do you do? So imagining yourself in these different environments, it's amazing how it begins to prepare you. Then when you get no competition and whatever happens, you're like, oh, okay, I've been there. This is not new. None of this is new. You are ready for all of these different situations. Even talk to your coach and, um, you know, ask him like, hey, what what would be a good scenario for me to work on? Like, what do I struggle with if you don't know? Like, what what is it that that I have a hard time with? Because I'm going to work on, you know, imagining myself in that scenario and how I do better handling it next time. So um, your coach, believe me, will be all into helping you with that. Some little tips and tricks as you get started. If you are struggling, be patient. Again, when you're doing this right, it takes time. It takes practice. It takes effort. Just be consistent. Whatever block of time that you're doing it for, just be consistent with that. You know, put it on your calendar, make it a priority, be intentional to sit down and have this time to visualize. Again, practice frequently and consistently. Whatever that looks like for you, just make sure you're doing it on a regular basis. Mix it up each day. You know, you don't do the same thing and work out every single day, you know, so just like training, you want to have a specific focus or plan of attack each time you visualize. So for us in diving, sometimes we'll pick a group of dives. Like today, I'm going to do fronts and inward directions um, because they're kind of the same actions. So we're going to work on those together and I'm not going to worry about the rest of my dive. So maybe in visualization, I would work on those two categories. So then I can spend more time working on those two categories today that are kind of similar, you know, and and work on those. And then maybe tomorrow I'll work on, you know, two other categories that are similar. And then, you know, so the way you can break it up like that, and then, and then it just doesn't get as monotonous either. You're not doing the same exact thing every single day to where you just, you don't ever want to do it again. You know, you want to keep it interesting and keep it fun. Okay. And also video study. Especially if you're struggling with a third person like I did, video study really, really helps with that. And it doesn't even have to be studying you. Like if you don't have a video of you doing the action correctly, but there is an action that you want to fix and do correctly, and you know someone, you've got a video of someone who does, like watch that video of that other athlete doing the action correctly and imagine that that's you. Like just kind of put your head on that body and just imagine this is me doing this correctly and, you know, watch it, close your eyes, see if you can't see that happening, slow it down, see if you can see yourself doing that. But video study can really help. Or if like when I was on Twisters and I had a hard time thinking of like how that looked in my head, it was just a hard one for me to compute both first and third person. So I would watch video and try to like stop it at a certain point. Okay, where's my head facing? What am I seeing? What am I feeling? What does that look like? So video study can be a great tool to help your visualization as well. And, you know, feel free. Some people really like to be guided through these things as well. So there's a lot of like mindfulness and meditation audio guides out there. But for this, and you want yours to be specific to you, create your own. I mean, you can record voice memos on your phone or on your computer. So create an audio clip of you talking through maybe a few bigger picture scenarios or your specific sports movement to help guide yourself through maybe that thing you're struggling the most with. And and it helps keep you focused. Maybe you're having trouble focusing, but that would help keep you kind of on task. I talked to Uh, I believe it was a snowboarder who worked with, or maybe I think it might've been an aerial skier who worked with a sports psychologist who she created like an audio for that athlete to work through. And it it talked about like, okay, you're at the top of the gate and this is what you're seeing and feeling and hearing. Okay. You know, they're going to 
let you go and then you go down and this is it was just this whole guided thing through this person's specific moment and and what they did and how they operated so you know yourself best you know your situations you or your coach or a parent could walk you through those steps. You can record that. And then anytime you are going to do that visualization, you can listen to that audio clip to help guide you through it. That is a great tool and way that you can do that on your own. And visualize the outcome that you want. Okay. You don't want to, I didn't want to smack as a diver and I kept doing that. So my goal was to make sure I was doing the correct actions. I want this outcome, you know, so that's, I know that sounds so silly to state the obvious, but Make sure that you're not leaving on the note of like, I'm visualizing all this stuff wrong. Work on this until it starts becoming the outcome that you want. Use all of your senses when you're in that first person perspective. Third person's great, but when you're in first person, that's when your brain is really going to think that it's you performing. So again, the more senses you're using, the more real it becomes to your mind. Pay attention to detail. Make sure you're seeing yourself doing all those techniques correctly. We've talked about that. If mistakes occur in your imagery, it's okay to rewind the tape in your head and do it again. So when I would do that reverse dive and I would touch weird and I couldn't control it, I would literally like rewind the tape in my mind. I didn't start all the way back at the beginning. It was at this touch point where my hands were supposed to touch my feet and I kept touching at the wrong place where I would hold on too long. And so I had to keep rewinding in my mind until I could freeze frame it, pause it in midair where I was touching at the right, like forcing myself to move the dive to be touching in the right place. And then, you know, I tried adjusting the speed too, like slowing it down. So, okay, now I'm finally touching at the right place, but I need to come out of this thing frame by frame because I can't do it right in real time. So I'm going to go slow until I can see it correctly. And then eventually I was able to speed it up to real time. And make sure that you're keeping this positive. This is not a place to beat yourself up or to get frustrated. This is a place to learn, to experiment, and to see yourself doing all these awesome and amazing things that you've dreamed of doing I know it's not always easy, especially because it's in our mind and we're such physical people as competitive athletes, but just treat this as a cool experiment, as an opportunity to make yourself better and don't get hung up on the things that you don't do well at the beginning. It will get better. Just like physical training with practice, you will get really good at this. You'll get very efficient at it. It will feel easy easier to you. You'll be able to do more with it. And it's not only going to get easier in your mind, but it is going to start showing up in how you train physically and how you compete. This is a huge step that you can take to take your performance to the next level. Whatever your goals are, this is a way to help you improve. So now you know what visualization is. You know how to implement it. You know some tips and tricks to get you started. So what are you waiting for? Go get started. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. This allows us to keep bringing on amazing guests, and it also helps other athletes to find this show. Make sure to check out the show notes to follow us on social media and learn more about our awesome guest. To hear all of our amazing episodes, head on over to thepursuitofgold.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Pursuit of Gold is proud to be a Podigy production. That's all for now. Make sure to tune back in next week.